Welcome to the Hobby of a Lifestyle podcast, a show that looks at how our passions impact lives and drive career choices. I'm Andy Gray, a former national and world champion kickboxer. During my shows, I'll be talking with athletes, coaches, fans and more as I delve into their world to find out what inspired them on their journey. Welcome to Hobby of a Lifestyle. This week I'm joined by a true adventurer, Andy Torbett. Without giving too much away, Andy has and can be seen on BBC's The One Show amongst many other programmes and was just an all-round great person to chat with. So instead of any long introductions, let's get into it and find out the whole story. Morning Andy, welcome to Hobby of a Lifestyle. How are you today? I'm alright, I'm alright. Although I'm looking out the window and it's it's hammering down outside. It looks pretty uh, pretty grey and horrible, but apart from that, everything's good. Ah, oh, good. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you getting back to me and agreeing to come on. I can't wait to find out about your story. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah. Well, where do you want to start? Well, first of all, would you just like to tell listeners what your passion, hobby, career, everything that you do, kind of, what? what how would you sum up your title? Yeah, it's uh, it's always a difficult one. I've been asked before, and... Uh, you know, it's usually hustling probably is the best way. To get <laughs> but basically, so what I do, what I do sort of most of it best is diving stuff. So I do a lot of cave diving, sort of deep technical diving uh, and free diving. Uh, I also do a lot of uh, climbing and mountaineering stuff and caving uh, and then skydiving, wow. a little bit of paddling, but that, that's that sort of outdoor stuff. Um, and how I now make a living from it, as I say, it's, it's all, you've got to try and, generate work where you can but it's a little bit of sponsorship although there's that's more of equipment there's not really any money in sponsorship these days yeah. writing so writing articles uh for magazines or papers um and then producing some films and then doing a bit of tv presenting work so i've, I've been presenting on the bbc for like the last 10 years wow it's sporadic. It's just days here and there or weeks yeah, here and there. For, and again, usually for specialist stuff, it's not because I'm the world's greatest TV presenter. It's because right. they need some idiot who can cave dive or, or wingsuit. <laughs> um, they'll wheel me out um, like the, the monkey you fire in space. Uh, <laughs> and, um, that, uh, and then do a bit of stunt work as well, like so oh. on, on films and that sort of stuff. Uh, that okay. Recently. So, um, yeah, so all the sort of, I mean, you know, I suppose officially how I make a living would be journalist, filmmaker, presenter, stuntman. But but yeah. actually, how I make a living is f- through diving and free yeah, diving yeah. and climbing and skydiving. Uh, wow. And so if we go kind of back to childhood, what were the hobbies and interests there that you were doing? Because, you know, you don't see a lot of people getting into diving, free diving from being a young age, unless you kind of live on the coast and in warmer climates usually. Yeah, well, I, I didn't. I, I grew up in the Highlands of Scotland. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's not warm. Which is, which is not when it, well, not, yeah, exactly. It's not warm. Um, you know, the nearest bit of coast was probably about 20 mile away. Right. Um, I guess the thing about the UK, actually, we're all coastal in the UK because yeah, the, really. the farthest place in the UK from the coast is 74 miles. It's the yeah. farthest you can be from the coast, which in sort of global geographic terms, that makes you coastal. Yeah. But um, but I grew up more like surrounded by lochs and forests and mountains. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I didn't really get into the outdoors because that was just, that was it. We didn't, we just climbed mountains and swam in locks and built tree houses because that's what we were surrounded by. That yeah, was our yeah. back garden. Um, but I was always into the underwater world. So, um, and I don't really remember this, but my mum tells me like when I was like three, four, I'd, I'd, I'd strip off my pants and swim across the carpet. 
having watched <laughs> Patrick Duffy and the Man from Atlantis on the telly, if everybody can remember that. And then I'd watch all the, the David Atmer stuff, love wildlife, especially the underwater. So he's like, again, a four or five year old, be watching like the underwater stuff on planet yeah, Earth. Yeah. Uh, sorry, well, life on Earth. And then even Action Men, because obviously in my day, Boys had action men, so yeah, we had yeah. action men. And I always, I had I all the underwater stuff. There was, there was like three different underwater suits you could get for action man. Right. The, di- the diving thing was mine. Um, and then we we moved into Aberdeen. My parents split up um, when I was about 12 or 13, I think. Um, and that was my opportunity to actually learn to dive. So there's a local dive club uh, in Aberdeen. And um, I just went along one day and said, I'd like to join. And and back then, it's changed now, but back then you couldn't learn to dive till you were 14. Okay. But you could snorkel. You had to yeah. like learn to snorkel properly. So when I was 12, I did that, and I'd go out with the with the, the club when they were diving, and I'd snorkel above them. Um, and I had a paper around. That's what paid for it. It was 50 pence a week pool fees. Right. Um, and I think six pounds a year annual membership. So I had, I had a five pound a week paper round, and that's what paid for me to basically learn to snorkel and then dive. Wow. Um, and because it was just, I just rocked up as a kid of my own. They, they were, um, I think they kind of adopted me as a mascot. So I used to get old bits of kit. So I'd, I right. built my own set of, when I was 14, diving kit from basically bits I'd been given and, you know, stuck together. And I'm not sure. I was surprised it didn't fall, fall apart and kill me, to be honest. But there we go. So I was kind of, <laughs> that, that was me 14. Um, and then again, luckily on the, on the land side, um, when I was at school, there was a big teacher strike. When when and when teachers came back, it was a sort of work to rule thing. So they didn't do any extracurricular activities. There was no real sports. It was an inner city school in Aberdeen anyway. It wasn't great great for that. But but it, they, there was no sort of that stuff provided. But fortunately, there was a PE teacher called Wilson Moyer who was like one of the top climbers in Scotland at the time. Right. And me and another lad showed interest. So he take us. Uh, after school, once a uh, once a week to the sea cliffs near Aberdeen, some amazing climbing on Aberdeen sea cliffs, you know, granite on sea cliffs. Yeah, and we we'd learned to rock climb. So yeah, but about fourteen was when I started diving, scuba diving, and when I started climbing. Um, and do you think that the scuba diving, the fact that you couldn't do the diving until you were fourteen with the, the, the scuba, kind of helped you with the free diving stuff that you do yeah, now? I mean. Yeah, definitely. So learn to like it was, it, free diving didn't really because it was like back yeah. then it was called snorkeling, you know, <laughs> and you just, it, it just, you know, you were diving down ten meters, but it's like, yeah. well, you're just going deep snorkeling, then, aren't you? <laughs> um, but it definitely helped me with you know, with confidence in the water and all that sort of techniques for diving. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, so I, I mean, I, and, and because I, I sort of carried, I never saw it as free diving, but I just kind of carried on doing that quite a lot. Um, when I was abroad and the forces and that sort of stuff. Um, I didn't formally start to learn to free dive until God, about 2006. But, right, okay. Um, but I mean, again, there's, there's, there's little things you can do, but I mean, snorkeling and free dive, it's the same thing, really. Yeah, yeah. And there's no, there's no fixed definition. So some people say, as soon as you hold your breath and leave the surface, you are now free diving. Okay. Which, which meant I was, which, if that's if that's the true definition, then I was free diving from the age of twelve because obviously yeah, yeah. you're swimming around, swimming around in the surface. You, you take your breath through your snorkeling. You, you, yeah. you dive down to see stuff. So, um, yeah. So that that was that was kind of the, the school years, um, and then when I even when I joined the forces, although it was the army, I carried on and did I did uh, like diving based stuff in the forces. I was okay. an army diver and. I did underwater bomb disposal and I was wow. part of the maritime terrorist unit. 
Um, and, you know, we did operations and, and, and bits and bobs. What's that like then, doing all of a sudden going from kind of doing something that you really love doing and just looking at wildlife to all of a sudden doing bomb, bomb disposal underwater? I absolutely loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I, I I need a bit of a mission. I need a purpose. I'm not very good at just bimbling around on a dive. So I actually prefer, like, when I do, that's why I love going out filming or photog- photographing stuff or doing surveys or trying to find new wrecks or we're yeah. mapping new underwater cave systems. I like, I find it much more rewarding and therefore much more enjoyable to actually do something. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, when I first started learning to do military diving, you know, basically working diving, absolutely loved it. I, I bet you did. Great time. You know, it was a purpose. Um, and it was hard because a lot of the guys hadn't dived before. Right. Whereas it was, it was, you know, although I mean, you spend most of, like like most kind of, um, we may call elite army courses, uh, the army dive course, you spend most of your time doing press-ups. Uh, and doing, <laughs> it's, a, it's a six week, it's a six week fitness program with uh, with a little bit of diving thrown in. Right. Um, but press-ups in that water must be dead easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the problem is you come out the water, they're like, right, you focus dry suit, you know, weight belt, twin yeah, yeah. set, like two diving cylinders, and they're like, right, run around the lake. The rake's like a mile and a, is it a mile and a half round, round the lake? You're like, run around the wow. lake. You're like, really? This is, this is, you look back and you go, that was terrible for your knees yeah, and yeah. your back. And, um, but yeah, so did that. And, you know, we did, we, we got involved with body searches on operations, but also even helping the police out on body searches okay. in the UK, wow. which was, which was good and, and that sort of stuff. Um, so I, I absolutely loved it. Not a huge amount of time for, for sort of my own personal diving. So when I was yeah. in the forces, you know, I, I loved it. So I, I was volunteering for tours, extra tours and all that sort of stuff. Wow. Um, so then when I left the forces was really when I was like, right, I'm going to make a living from kind of expeditions, exploration, outdoor world. And, you know, looked at Jacques Cousteau from the diving point of yeah, view yeah. and looked at, um, Ronald Fiennes and went, right. That's, that's what I'm going to, I'm going to do that. That's what I'm going <laughs> to do. Um, and it turns out people won't just pay you to go and have fun. Surprisingly. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that does surprise me. And the, uh, the sort of sports that I was doing, especially the diving stuff, you know, like it's, it's not like football or, or big wave surfing where you get, you, know, you can attract big sponsorship deals. Yeah. No one sponsors cave divers yeah. or, or even free divers or, or skydivers. No one sponsors them. Even, even <laughs> I even tried Red Bull. Red Bull were like, nah, mate, it's nah. cave diving. It's just, because actually it's not a really spectator sport to cave diving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, but what I learned was that if you can learn to communicate from these projects and these trips, and these expeditions, then you can start making a little bit of money yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and attracting equipment sponsorships. So you're not getting paid, but they're giving you free kit, which helps a lot to keep your overheads yeah. down. If you're, if you're earning bugger all. Yeah. So that's how I started it. And I, and I thought, right, I'll, I'll start. This is back in 2008, I think. So this is, you know, okay. pre social media. So this would when yeah. magazines were still a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I figured, right, I'm, I've got no journalistic background. I'm just an ex squarey. What the hell do I know? So I've also been a big fan of, of, don't 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 tell me what you're going to do. Go and do it, and then tell, like this. Every man is. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So I thought, right, before I start knocking on doors, yeah, yeah. with uh, with all my ideas of what I could do for them, I'll go and do something. I'll write the article, get the pictures, and then I'll knock and go like, here we go. This is what I can do. There we go. Yeah. This is it. A finished finished article. And I thought to be a bit different, um, 
yeah, I, I do something a bit more unusual. So I come up with this idea called the Three Lakes Challenge, where there's obviously the Three Peaks Challenge. I'm sure you're with the old Three Peaks Challenge. Yeah, I've done that one. Which people don't know about, basically, because uh, you might have listeners all over the world. So there's the, the highest mountain in Scotland, England, and Wales. You're meant to basically blast up it uh, and back down and travel between those three mountains yeah. within 24 hours. So the Three Lakes Challenge was to dive the highest loch in Scotland, the highest lake in England, and the highest clay in Wales. Um in 24 hours, uh, you know, wow. carrying carrying your dive kit with you up the, up the, up the mountain. Um, and I was raising money for um, some forces charities at the same time as well. Amazing. So, so I roped a mate of mine into it, an ex, ex-Marine, uh, who were like, yeah, cool. We're like, no tree. We're like, ah, yeah, it'd be fine. Just stick the kit in your back and we'll go for it. So we, but we bagged it out. Um, and it's become a thing. Like, a lot of people have, have done it since. Sensibly, uh, yeah. they've, had, they've had other people to drive them because we were yeah. shattered. Like, driving, oh, mate, it's horrible. Yeah. But we, we did that. Um, took some good photographs. That, like, learned how to use a camera. Uh, and then and then wrote the article. And then knocked on a, on a door. Um and the editor was brilliant. He took the article. He's like, right, we'll pay you. It was 400 quid, which is like yeah, yeah. great money. And he said, any other ideas? I like, I like the idea of like different stuff. You know, some a bit, a bit out of the box. I was like, what about UK river diving? And he was like, okay, never seen an article on that. Like, right, we'll have that. So that's where I started. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, and, I, and I was still doing a little bit of the X-Forces work on the side, um, a little bit of commercial diving, um, yeah, yeah. a little bit of the outdoor instructor, like people climbing and yeah, canoeing yeah. and that, to pay the bills, because frankly, I was I was, I was was spending more on doing the thing than I was getting yeah. paid for writing the article. Yeah. Um, and then what that opened the door into really was you'd get invited to, to speak at some of the, like the dive shows or the outdoor shows. Again, there's not that many these days, um, but those sort of live events and festivals and I like adventure yeah. festivals and you do little talks, not get paid for them. But again, that helped you make contacts. It raised your profile, it attracted sponsors, which again, keeps your overheads down. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then from there, really, I started uh, filming stuff because I was doing some solo projects. I did a solo cave diving kind of exploration project up in Scotland. So I was filming it. And this is, again, this is, actually, no, I had a GoPro, I think. It was a GoPro 1. It's like before <laughs> GoPros needed a number at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and because I was alone in the dark, you start. To, I always talk to myself. So I started talking to the camera. Right. And I was doing it so I could use these little video clips when I was giving talks, just yeah, because yeah. it's a nice way to give the audience a bit of a break from me rambling on often a, a little video clip explains things better than a photograph. Yeah, definitely. And also it gives me a minute mid-talk to kind of just check my notes and look where I'm at. So, so that, those little video clips kind of morphed over the, well, quite a short space of time to, to make an actual film, so little, little short films. Yeah. And what's it like Again. going into a cave dive by yourself, though? Is it quite a daunting thing, or is it just something that you, you just don't think about and you, you enjoy doing? You don't really, well, because cave diving is normally performed on your own anyway, even if you're part of a team. So because, especially in the UK, the, the visibility is very, very limited in the UK. Yeah. The, these amazing uh, cave dives you see in like Mexico or places like that where it's like, you know, gin clear water, huge yeah. big caverns. In the UK, it's a muddy hole. Like yeah. it's like diving in, it's like diving in oxtail soup. Um, <laughs> and again, in the UK, it's usually really cramped, tight conditions. Yeah. So if you've got a problem, the people in there with you probably can't see you anyway and if they could see they probably can't get to you right okay so you've got you're effectively diving so you've got to look after yourself so yeah, yeah. um diving solo doesn't really 
change a great deal. Okay. And 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 in some ways in the UK, certain cave dives, you will you should perform solo because actually it's so tight that if somebody uh, if you're diving a pair, the other person gets stuck, you're then trapped inside the cave. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you're actually reducing the risk by diving solo because then right. there's no one else to, to basically block your escape. Um, so no, I mean, it becomes a bit, plus you're very, very focused. You know, you yeah. become very, very focused, very sort of um, sweating the small stuff as, uh, as well, that was a Canadian astronaut his name now, but he, he talks about sweating the small stuff, like pay attention to the little details, yeah, don't worry yeah. too much of the bigger picture. So you are, you're looking at, you. Uh, but there's a lot of dry caving to get to the dive site. Um, and that's just kind of slogging in the dark and on yeah. your own. That can be just a bit, it's a bit boring to be honest. I think that's why you end up talking to yourself so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so was it's been it's been a good coincidence that you do talk to yourself because it's turned out pretty well. Yeah. Well. So so I still do a lot of of, of solo filming even for the BBC. The amount of times I've done stuff even for like big, big expensive blue chip shows. You know, yeah, yeah. it's amazing cameramaning, and I end up the GoPro at the end of a stick. That's me filming myself. So, um, so yeah, they'll make, make these little films. For, and again, these little films I was making was for film festivals because YouTube and, and, and Vimeo and that didn't really exist. So yeah. it was, it was just, we put it to film festivals. And then at the same time, I started doing work for the BBC, uh, mostly for the Natural History Unit because I was living in Bristol at the time, doing safety stuff. So I was doing you know dive supervisor, climbing supervisor, that sort of stuff, like doing outdoors sort of safety and, and what have you. Um and so I got to know I'd mates who are directors and mates who are, who are like uh, you know adventure world life cameraman. Yeah. And then I got a I got a shout from somebody saying, "Oh, Coast, there's a, the old BBC series Coast. They're on series seven, and they're desperate for ideas. You should pitch some stuff and try and generate some work for yourself." I was like, "Oh yeah, cool, cool." You know, still thinking in the, from the point of view of, of, of safety, you know, safety supervisors. Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. So I, I sent a lot of ideas in, like, "Oh, I could, I could take your presenter up this massive cliff or." I could take your presenter in these sea caves or there's this really deep shipwreck that no one's ever dived. I could go and dive it and then I could bring the footage back to, to sort of give to your presenter. Um, and I don't know whether my sort of email was misinterpreted, um, but the I got an email back from the series producer saying, we'd love to come and meet you. Uh, I was like, yeah, cool, bro. That's, 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 that's really, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, which looking back now is a big like I understand now that was quite a big deal. But the time yeah. was like, oh, they must they just must come and meet random people all the time. <laughs> um, so so they sat down um, and they'd seen some of the sort of little films that I sort of presented in better commas on on my website and, and, yeah. and things like that. Um, so they sat down. So well, listen before we start, would would you be happy presenting non-extreme stuff? And obviously. In in the blinking of an eye, inside my head, this conversation. I'm going. I'm going. What? Yeah. What, what are you talking about? I was I was really <laughs> pitching some ideas to, to do that. Right. Okay. Uh, but obviously, what they saw was me go. Yes. Yes. Of course. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, um, but I'm still like I'm on the back foot. Like, what the hell's yeah, going yeah, on here? Yeah. So they said, um, "Well, you know, we, we we love the fact you can do the climbing stuff and the diving stuff, but actually, we'd like you to do some stuff that isn't necessarily in that genre." Yeah. I'm like, "Okay." They said, oh, "Would you be happy to go?" This is, I remember saying, "Would you be happy to go uh, and do a, a film for Coast on shepherding in the Isle of Lewis?" And I'm like, "Okay." Oh, yeah. did, what in the name of is going on here? <laughs> um, so they said they sent me to 
to Lewis to do a thing on shepherding. Um, and it's one of those things. And that was ultimate for Series 7. That was, I had one film for Series 7, and that was a little one-off thing. But what happened was the weather was atrocious, and the, the locals were not particularly kind of on side, I think, because the, right. the, the, the crew, you know, it's like old fast, like crew sent up from England. Ah, oh, these bloody English tell us what to do. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and TV is, it's an embuggerance. I understand, like, when you film with anyway, it gets frustrating, yeah, you know, because yeah, they think you'll just, it, everything takes 10 times longer than you think it does. When yeah. you see a program on telly, it takes forever to shoot stuff. And that's just the nature of, of the job. Yeah, definitely. But they were getting annoyed and, and I was trying to, appease them because obviously I, I was accepted. They were like, they were fine with me. It was just to be asked to what's the happen. Yeah. So I was trying to the go between. We got on the hillside and they just marched off into the fog and they got, and we, the, the, the director's like, where the hell are they going? <laughs> and because I was a, I'm, I'm a qualified mountain guide, like it right. never occurred to me not to go out with that mapping compass in my pocket. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, not a problem, mapping compass out. I'm like, right, basically they're headed for that way. So if we cut across this ridge and drop down, we'll be just, just follow me. So off we went, and we had three cameras with us. Um, long story short, because the crew weren't probably as fit as they should have been for the job, I ended up carrying all three cameras. <laughs> and again, I had no point of reference. This had a GoPro, obviously. Well, <laughs> so this is my this is my first like tele shoot, and I just yeah, thought yeah. this was this is normal. It's just pretty standard practice, as well. Yeah, yeah, of course, it's cool. It's just, you know. Um, so off we went. So anyway, we got it. It, was, it all worked out very well, and then. Um, so uh, the week later, I was called up to to Birmingham because that's where Coast was based at the BBC Birmingham at the time to meet the exec producer. And he was like, oh, thank you very much. For, you know, you went above and beyond the call of duty. You would obviously now expect a presenter to be, you know, navigating across the hills yeah, whilst yeah. Kyle comes. And I was like, okay, I didn't, I just thinking, I just thought that was normal. Yeah, just do my uh, job. Yeah. And, and he said, well, you know, and it's been great. So I know obviously we'd like to give you some another opportunity to do some more films. I ended wow. up doing the, the whole series. Um, and that led on to more and more BBC stuff. And, was that and, kind of a defining moment in your career? You know, you were doing so so well building up your your business and you and doing all these little videos that you you were presenting. That this opportunity kind of came about. You're saying it was wasn't what you pitched for, but it turned out really. No. Was that defining moment in your career where it kind of catapulted you you upwards? Yeah, because because um, you know, once you're, I mean, being on TV, say I'm not you. I, I never get never recognised. I'm not on TV that much. I yeah. pop up in the one show every now and again, and I do the odd BBC series. But I do enough. It, you know, it keeps the sponsors happy. It also is like magazines, like the, the diving magazines now. Some of the account. If I say, oh, I'd, I'd like to write this article. Yeah, cool. It it it, it either opens doors or doors that are already open. Yeah, yeah. It keeps them open. You know what I mean? You, of course. I mean, yeah. Just, you know, rightly or wrongly, it gives you a bit of a bit of. Um, was uh, currency, you know what I mean? That yeah, people yeah. are like, oh, he's off the telly. We'll, we'll yeah. let him write for us. So it's, it is a bit easier. You know, I wrote a book and I think if I'd not been doing like, course in the one show and BBC science stuff, then getting that book commissioned through, because it was through Penguin. So it's like, yeah, luckily yeah. it was, I actually got paid to write it. I'm not sure that would happen if I hadn't been on the telly. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, so it's not, it's not, I'm by no means a full-time TV presenter, but it, it has, it's definitely helped with a lot of avenues. Yeah. Um, but I still maintain that it's got nothing to do with my presenting abilities. I'm only I only am a TV presenter because I can carry heavy things up a hill and read a map and compass. That's <laughs> yeah. that's it. It's like you know, it is pure squaddy. It's like right, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why I'm a telly. So how do you get the telly? Basically, I could carry heavy uh, rucksacks up up mountains with a map and compass. That's that. It's brilliant. Um, but yeah, that's and that's led on to you know, and, and nowadays, uh, you know. 
there's more scope to do um, like filmmaking stuff because obviously online stuff like opening YouTube and, and Instagram. And I'm <laughs> I'm huge. massively behind the curve in it though. I really yeah. am. But I started working for a YouTube channel that does sustainable energy and electric vehicles, and they got me into the kind of weird stuff. So it's like boats and motorbikes and okay. planes and all that stuff, and that's been great. You know, I was, you know, YouTube is now effectively just another channel like the BBC would be. Yeah, yeah, and, of course. And it's a great way to make a living and and to to sort of. And what's also nice about that channel is it's run by it's owned by one person, run by a team. So unlike the BBC, where you are very. Um, it's quite. It's a huge corporation. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's you're kind of working for the BBC rather than. Yeah. Whereas, I, whereas with fully charged, I'm working for Robert and Dan. And if yeah, you've got an course. idea, I phone like pitching to commission the BBC is a is a many many layered uh, process that could take yeah. months, if not years, to get something away. Whereas with, with like fully charged on YouTube, I phone up Dan and and say I've got an idea, and he will either go yes or no and that's yeah. it done and dusted and you know so i'm kind of working for my mates it's it's it's, it's nice to work for people yeah, rather than things so really enjoying that um and uh, and then yes most recently to get us right up to date uh i i've started working do a lot more stunt work um and that really came about through working on the bond film in 2019 and what was that like working on a bond film it was exactly as cool as you think it was. Really? It was absolutely, bro. Yeah. People have asked you this, and you kind of, think, I think we've been expecting a bit of a reality check. We go, well, you know, actually, it might seem really cool, but nah, it's actually, it was, well, I mean, I can't speak for the entire cast and crew, but I had a brilliant time. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. I am. Um, and uh, I mean, A, I'm a, I'm a huge Bond fan. Like, we've got three big Bond uh, posters in our, in our kitchen. Right. Uh, and, and have had for like 10 years. They're not, yeah, yeah. not new thing is. Uh, you know, me and Bex, my, my Mrs. Bex, is we've got all the Bond films. And um, uh, in fact, last lockdown, that's what we did. We um, on a, we did like a date night on a Saturday night where we'd right. watch a Bond film. So we watched all the Bond films every Saturday night in sequence. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I digress. Um, no, no, if so, you digress, it's fine. <laughs> it's Bond, it's cool. So, um, yeah, initially doing like, I was kind of the underwater specialist and then I started doing a bit of rope stuff, a bit of military stuff on it as well uh, and managed to sort of stay on it for the whole, for the whole year. Wow. But um, more than anything else, what made it an absolute pleasure to go into work was the people. Really? Everyone, genuinely, like everyone was lovely. I know you hear this on telly all the time when people are going, oh, how, how nice everyone is. And yeah. I'm sure on certain films and certain sets, it's not like that, you know, but genuinely... Everyone from the last that makes the coffee up to the to the people who basically own the Bond, the producer who own yeah, the Bond yeah. franchise, were just so nice. They're really, just really nice. Yeah, and I think I think it's probably because it's Bond, so you can pick, pick you can pick and choose who you want. Yeah, so you don't need to work with dickheads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a family business. You know, it's been yeah, owned yeah. by the same sort of family since nineteen sixty two when the first Bond yeah. film came out. Um, and it's the same people working it, like the Chris Corwell, who's the who's the head of special effects. He's been head of special effects for like the last, God, it's like 12, 13 films, you know. Wow. It's the yeah. same people. So there's a real family yeah, of course. atmosphere to it. What's it like going into that then as the, as the new person? It was, well, I, I mean, I from on day one, pretty intimidating, you know. Yeah, like yeah. I was confident in my abilities, like, because, um, you know, there's a lot of like, I'm not a professional stuntman, but like in diving, I'm an expert and, and yeah, you know, of course. skydiving and climbing rope stuff like, well, I'm good at my field. However, yeah. you know, I'm not in the, in the, in the stunt, the stunt, the stunt union basically. I'm not a stunt 
I've not come from that background and and, and, and I didn't really know it. I've never been in a proper film set before. I've done lots of TV yeah. documentaries, but a feature film is completely different. It's not I, the same culture or, no. you know, atmosphere. So I had no idea what to expect. And I, I kind of jumped in. Um, I actually started off in Norway, but I was doing something else. And then, but it's part of the stunt team. I was basically told, right, turn up to, um, to, to the airport. There'll be a private plane there for the whole crew. I, I say a private plane, but it's like a charter place. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's a two hundred seater. You're going to fly to Jamaica. Um, Sounds horrible. The gu- yeah, the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and you'll the rest of the guys will meet you there. And um, and it's like, oh god! I so I knew the only person I knew on the plane was Daniel Craig because I'd met him a few a week before because I I did a little bit of free dive training because he, he's actually really really good underwater. He's bright okay. underwater, actually very confident. But they wanted me just to do a bit of training with him. So I was kind of in there as the free dive instructor as well. So yeah, we were yeah. training. Um, so I'd met him. Uh, and But that was it. I didn't know a single person, another person. And by the time we'd landed in Jamaica, I knew all the stunt people. They were just they were so welcoming and lovely. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, you know, I wasn't on the stunt. They're like, it ah, doesn't matter, mate. You know, you're an expert in your field. That's all that counts. You know, we want the best person for the yeah, job. Yeah. And, yeah, it was really good. I've got some. I made some very, very good friends there who were all supposed to be coming to my wedding uh, last year. Had it happened, which it didn't because of COVID. Oh, but, you know, yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, it was it. It was a real kind of brother or sisterhood within within stunts and 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 uh, uh, yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely um, loved loved that. How did James Bond? Yeah. How did James Bond come about them? Because that is a massive deal. It is. Well, so here, here's what happened. So, um, as I said, you know, we, we were chatting before we started the podcast yeah, yeah. formally um, <laughs> about about COVID and, and how my work, you know, in this adventure media web is. And my and my missus, is a, she's a jazz singer and there's, there's nobody in jazz. She's actually really good. She's like quite well regarded about this. No matter how good you are, pretty much nobody in jazz. Unless you're Jamie yeah. Cullum or Michael Brugley, <laughs> then you never get any money out of jazz. But um, so our, our sort of like finances of the last, you know, 10, 15 years have, have, have peaked in troughs quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, more troughs and peaks in the troughs that last a lot longer. So you've got to be a little yeah, bit, yeah. Um, you got a little bit sensible how you play things. So um, 2017, fantastic year for me. Uh, I did this uh, children's BBC series called Beyond Bionic, which yeah. I sort of co-wrote, co-produced. And, and that was, I absolutely, that was great fun. 2018, for whatever reason, it's a fickle industry. Nothing really came around. It was a bit of a dry year. Um, so early 2019, a friend of mine, uh, one of the mates who, who you, who's my main underwater cameraman, uh, a guy called Rich Stevenson, does a lot of like the deep cave stuff, right. um, filming work. And um, he um, he said, oh, mate, I've, I've, I know you don't really do the safety diving anymore, but I've got a job out in, out in Norway for three weeks um, and we need specialists. It's filming under the ice. So we need rebreather trained ice divers. So if people don't know, a rebreather is a quite a specialist bit of diving equipment that recycles one breath. It's the same equipment they use for spacewalks. Right. What it means is you produce no bubbles, which is good oh. for, for filming. So we need to be rebreather trained, ice trained, uh, know about cameras and lighting and doing stunt safety and all that sort of stuff. It's like, yeah, cool. It's three weeks work. It's really good money to yeah, yeah. film. I was like, mate, yeah, I'm, I'm desperate for some work. You know, there's no point having an ego with these sort of things, you got you got to take what we can get it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, plus, and the main attraction was, it was a four-man dive team and it was working with Rich um, and another two guys I knew well, like mates of mine. It's like, yeah, of yeah, course. I just, I'd always rather choose a job 
that's lower paid and not as exotic if you work with your mates because that's yeah, the yeah, definitely. thing. And again, again, I come back to the Bond taught me that it's it's the the best thing about Bond was working your mates five days yeah, or yeah. six days a week. Um, so yeah, without that, and it turned out it, it was Bond, um, <laughs> and it was mostly there was no big stuff. It was, it was the initial sort of sh- shooting, no major, no major players, but um, I met the stunt coordinator out there. Uh, and he got chatting and, you know, he said, oh, she's skydiving, wingsuiting and climbing and, and he'd seen the sort of stuff I was doing. And he said, have you never thought about getting stunt? So I'd love to, but it's quite, it is quite a closed shop. It's quite yeah, hard definitely. to get into. It's one of the things you can aspire to, but you don't really know where to start. Yeah. And he said, um, he said, all right, you know, send me, send me a little bit of a CV and, and, and some, some headshots and leave it with me. And that was it. Uh, wow. We... You know, I, I kind of because in, in telly that happens all the time. The amount of yeah. times I've, I've, I've had meetings with production companies or channels, and they've, you've pitched out, "Oh, we love your idea. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll call you." Doing nothing <laughs> ever again. Yeah. Um, so he said, "Yeah, great, great. You know, well, leave with me, now and I'll, and I'll, I'll get back to you." And I kind of thought, "Oh well, you know, that, that's that's that." Yeah. But lo and behold, he phoned me up and said, "Oh, would you do some some just some underwater kind of refresher training with with?" Um, with Daniel and obviously the answer is yes. Yeah, of that. course. Yeah, I love bonding. Yeah, and I, and I and I and I got on I got on well with them. Um uh so I got a phone call a week later saying, Do you want to come to Jamaica for three weeks as the underwater stunt specialist? <laughs> and it's like the, the the two days before the play was due to fly, and again you're like, Yes, yeah, I do. Of course. And and that was it. So we did, I did those three weeks and then I, I I basically stayed on the film for the whole whole year and managed to make myself wow. useful. Um uh, and had a an absolute ball. What yeah. an amazing opportunity! And hopefully, yeah. as you said, if it's a, it's quite a close knit thing, that'll that'll mean work on future projects. Hoping to, yeah, hoping to. In fact, even um, uh, so, although I'm kind of a, a specialist with the ropes, the diving, and the, and the skydiving, I, I've decided that I'm going to get on the stunt register anyway. Yeah, yeah. And to get on the stunt register, you need to have a lot of sort of generalist skills. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm in six areas, and I'm all pretty much there anyway. With, with stuff I've done in the past, but the, the 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 two things I've 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 not got is driving and a, and a martial art. So right. um, even halfway through borders, like right, I'm going to start training. So I took up Taekwondo and I've been training for that uh, and doing some stunt driving training up at Silverstone, which obviously has been slightly delayed with, with, with COVID and that sort of stuff. Though fortunately, uh, I'll still be managing to train uh, the, the Taekwondo because I've got yeah, a gym yeah. at home and, and I'll do some Zoom stuff with, with my instructor. Um, but yeah, in 40, 44, 45, but it's probably – a lot of people would is 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 not the ideal age to start training, a stunt man. <laughs> but um, but uh, but yeah, you know what? It's it's good. it gives you a bit of focus and it gives it gives a bit of uh, I don't know. I was a new lease of life. So like right, I'm I'm, I'm training again. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm starting to get another ladder to climb, and that's not a bad thing to keep the energy levels up. So, no, it's um, fantastic. And what what are the aspirations then moving forward? Obviously, to to be get on that stunt register, you've you've talked that like you're in the process of working at that at the moment, and yeah, um. And 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 hopefully, just most well, there is a few films in the pipeline that that um, hopefully this coming year that I'll get involved in anyway. Brilliant. Um, um, because you don't you don't have to be in the stunt register to work. Uh, stuntman as I did in Bond, as long as yeah, it, yeah. But it's normally on the specialist stuff like the underwater stuff. Um, yeah. And then I've got a few, well, I had a few expira- exploration expeditions planned for last year that didn't happen. Okay. That probably wouldn't happen this year either. Because they're 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 not UK based, so instead, okay. myself and a friend is we've got a, a UK based sort of cave diving exploration 
project wow. in Wales we're looking at. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty gruesome. You've got you've got to, you've got to work pretty hard to find some new stuff in the UK, but um, yeah. uh, we've got one there. Um, I've got a lot of one show shoots actually for this year. BBC Brilliant. one show shoots. We've already got those commissions. Some skydiving, some freediving ones. Some uh, what else have we got? We've got. Well, an ice climbing one if the ice freezes in February, hopefully, or in wow. Wales. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some other wildlife stuff. And I've, I've pitched a few more TV documentary ideas. So we'll see if any of those come off. Uh, I mean, at the moment, I'm mostly pitching UK based stuff because I think yeah. sensibly that's probably what's going to be. Nothing's going <laughs> to yeah. radically change with the old no. COVID stuff this year. Yeah. Um, so, and then again, my own personal project. I want to start, as I said before, I'm, I am so far behind the curve with like social media and Instagram yeah. and YouTube. But one of the things I'd like to do is I did this project called Britain by Snorkel back in 2012, where I went around the UK sort of snorkeling in lakes and rivers and pools and waterfalls and the seashore. And wow. it was to try and make the underwater world a bit more accessible because I was giving talks to schools and scout groups talking about cave diving and really yeah, deep, yeah. like rebreather diving, which is a bit like, here's me going to space. It, it wasn't really going, here's what you can do tomorrow. Yeah, of course. So there's, there's a bit there's a bit of free diving in there, but it's it's mostly, that's why I called it Britain, snorkeling Britain around free yeah, diving yeah. Britain because I wanted to make it a bit more kind of, so that the kids and, and anyone uh, could go. Yeah, so it's it. accessible to anybody, yeah. Yeah, so when I, I'm going to revisit that. Um, and, but, but film it, just do little films and the places yeah. to go, just do a little YouTube, like well, I don't know, do a little YouTube series. But again, more just so people, because I think this year is going to be very much about homegrown adventures for people. Yeah. Um. So, you know, and... and, and uh, scuba staycation. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and, and not even as much scuba, but stuff that anyone could do tomorrow because, yeah, yeah. you know, free diving is great. Uh, and we'll be running some courses and scuba diving is great, cave diving and climbing, ice climbing. It's all, but you need a bit of training and yeah, not yeah. a bit of specialist kit to go and do it. Whereas snorkeling, I mean, to be honest, come the summer, well, you even need a snorkel, you have a pair of goggles. What I'm yeah, yeah. encouraging people to do is basically while swimming, where you can look underwater. So yeah, even yeah. If it's a, just go and see the underwater world. And if you don't live by the sea, it doesn't matter. Jump in a river, jump in a lake, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, so we'll do that. Um, see, so we've got some f- some films, hopefully, in the offing. And then, but, but mostly what I'm doing is not planning too much because, yes. you know, um, I, I, I love to plan stuff and I like to know what's happening. I like to plan my year out. But 2020 kind of taught me, yeah, just, just, so, 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 so the, on <laughs> yeah. January the 1st, what I'll often do is I will, what I call, I'll get a whiteboard out and I'll try and I'll put my kind of goals for the year. Yeah, yeah. But for 2021, and, I, and I've done that for years and years and years, for 2021, I did goals for January because I just yeah. thought, I can't, I've got no idea what's going to be possible, what's no. not going to be possible. You can only control what you're in control of, can't you? This, yeah, the whole pandemic I, I, is totally out of our control. Exactly. I know 100% we'll be locked down until yeah. 31st of January. Like, yeah. I, I will and beyond, but that's definitely yeah. right. So I, I know it's going to happen the next four weeks, right? What's my goals for the next month? So, yeah, I've got ideas, but no firm plans. Yeah, um, yeah. What, what's, the, what's the best thing or the top three things that you've kind of – you've seen or you've been involved with underwater sure. you've um, done some amazing projects yeah i mean so beyond bionic the kids series i mean i i because because i could have wrote most of it the ideas for it it was very much a list of things andy wants to go and do yeah yeah <laughs> uh, so you know i did free diving mako sharks off california i got to use the exosuit the the, the, the oceanic uh, um 
this, it's this big dive suit. It looks like um, an armored spacesuit, yeah. like Buzz Lightyear. But what it is is a wearable submarine, basically. So uh, there's an early version of one of the Bond films. I think it's for your eyes only. There's an early version of this guy says big armored, almost like robot, but it's diving. Yeah. Uh, so people need to go back and watch for your eyes only and see the early <laughs> version of it. But I got to use this. It, it's an amazing bit of kit, you know, and, and it's just like this armored spacesuit that you use, use underwater. Um so that was very cool. I mean, I, I, I did a series, a science series called Operation Iceberg for the BBC years ago. Um, and we were, there was like a, a big, huge team. There's like four presenters. And I was like very much the, you know, the, the D list of the four presenters. Yeah, yeah. But, but um, I don't care. I got to do some cool stuff. Well, yeah. We were, we, were out in, um, we were out in Greenland for, for a couple of months. And I got to dive in a glacial blue lake, which is, you know, Wow. No one does it's these these lakes that form the glacier, yeah. and there was a tunnel tunnel at the bottom. Um, so I left the camera on behind again with my GoPro and a stick. I went into this. So your ice ice cave diving is your cave diving into the cave that's made of ice into the wow. glacier. And then we got, I got to dive around icebergs, you know, off the coast of Canada. And again, you know, you, you, diving around icebergs is otherworldly. It is, it's like being on the moon. It's bizarre really? experience. And the colors are phenomenal. Yeah, the whites and blues are just incredible. Wow. Um, so that was that was pretty special. I did, um, although, again, from the other end of the scale, I did a series for a friend of mine who's a presenter. He he got a series for Charles Ford, I think it was, a diving series, a guy called Monty Halls. Really good mate of mine. In fact, he's... He's godfather to one of my sons. Right. So he said, look, I'm doing this series. I'm taking Rich Stevenson, my mate of mine, a cameraman, Dan Stevenson, another really good friend of mine, a cameraman. Um, and we're after a safety diver. You know, we, again, this, this is after I started doing TV presenting. But he said, would you be happy just come along as a safety diver? And I was like, yeah, yeah, why yeah. not? You know, it's, it's all good fun. And it was, because again, it was just like, it was four really good mates. Yeah, yeah being paid to go diving together <laughs> and, and because I was, this, I was the safety diver I probably like the least amount of pressure on me because yeah, you camera yeah. a lot of pressure present a lot of pressure you know I was just making sure everybody's okay in the water humping and dumping kit for people filling cylinders you know I, I was basically well, the running joke was I was on holiday, paid yeah, yeah. holiday which was, <laughs> but we did this one dive in Japan and um, look at this amazing geological feature but, but anyway uh, the current there is absolutely ripping to the fastest current i've ever dived in really so the boat dropped us off way way up up sort of upstream if you will uh, yeah. in the sea from this big geological feature and we all jumped in and we're zooming along the sea like flying absolutely flying along and i could hear the other three lads laughing like pissing themselves underwater <laughs> laughing and we got this feature we're like we grabbed on the side of this big sort of quite square block rock grabbed on the side of it we're like you know like flags in the wind were flapping away they're hanging on and then you let go you sort of cartwheel down along it was just i mean we went through our through our, our air in like about 10 minutes but we're just just in fits of giggles the three, really? these four grown men yeah such a good laugh which I mean, brings me back to that's one of my best even though i was i wasn't wasn't presenting it, it wasn't yeah, my yeah. gig it's still in the best sort of tv diving things i've done because i was doing it with my mates with mates. Paid to go diving in cool yeah, places yeah. with my mates which is what it's all about no, that's that's phenomenal. What piece of advice would you give to somebody who, in anything either, are aspiring to do something similar to what you do, or just just in life? If if they're aspiring to, well, follow sort of. I mean, there's a million different paths to, to to make a living from your sort of passions and your hobbies. The 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 um the one thing I would say is is 
don't wait. Don't let perfection be the enemy of, of good enough. I, I, I delayed things for years because I was trying to get good enough to, to do this or do that. And also try to work out how you'd go and do it. Yeah. Because I'd be looking at these guys, how do these guys, how do these guys make a, make a money from this? How do they make a living from this? And you're like, oh, well, well, in the meantime, I'll go and do this and I'll go and do that. And, and it was, I, I got asked the question, what, what's, what's the, what's the secret? And it turns out there isn't a secret. You just yeah. get off your ass and go and just go and do it. I, and you won't, you won't make any money from your first, but if you, if you see you want to be an adventure filmmaker, just go and make a film. Just yeah, go and make yeah. it. It'll cost you money and you probably won't go anywhere, but you'll learn stuff and you make a second and people will start seeing it and you'll start, you'll link up with people and, and you know, you'll build this, this network. So yeah. I would say to people, it's like getting fit. People go, oh, I want to start getting fit, but I'm, I'm only in my house. Cool. Just start doing press ups and squats yeah, in your yeah. house. Just, just start. It's not going to be any good. It's not ideal. It's not optimal, but just, yeah. just start doing something. Do Trust do me, something. Just, just start. And then from life in general, I would say that you need to think very carefully about what you define as success, because here's my thoughts on this. People normally think uh, equate success with uh, money, power, fame, um, which I, it can be, if that, if that's, that's, that's fine. But really what you can, you can substitute the word success for happy, you know, what makes you happy? Yeah, definitely. Because, and if, if being famous makes you happy, cool. That's not a problem. That's not a problem. Or money makes you happy. I mean, you know, you do need some amount of money. Um, I'll be honest, like money doesn't make you happy, but being poor is bloody miserable. Trust me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, or if you, if you want to be the next prime minister, if that makes you happy, that's, that's fine. I don't have a problem with these, these sort of definitions, but, a lot of those things won't make a lot of people happy. Yeah, um, I agree. And, and you know, and actually I think being on Bond taught me that was when I realized like, you know, this is, this, I'm, I'm behind, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, it wasn't like TV when I'm in front of camera. I'm nobody. I'm just another bloke on the stunt team. Yeah. yeah. And yet I loved it because I was part of a community and I was with my, my friends. So, so, um, but I can say, if, if, if money, that makes that's, you, you do whatever makes you happy. But, because here's the thing, and I know guys who are gardeners, and I know guys who are, who are like, you know, millionaire businessmen, and I know guys who are like famous TV presenters and yeah. all that stuff. And it's all irrelevant. Yeah. Because here's the thing. The happiest man in the room wins. Yeah. Um, good good that's advice. What you should, that's what you should aspire to. And, and, you know, and it's, and I think the realization the last couple of years, to me and go right so i'm now starting to look at to go right what what life would make me happy and that's why um you know i wouldn't want to do tv full-time so i'm going to do more on projects as well because yeah, yeah. the exploration side of things um you can't really do for telly uh, the, the way we do it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't make that great telly but yeah. i like to do that sort of stuff um the last few years i've got involved a lot of with my local search and rescue units and that i wouldn't want to stop doing that that makes me happy as well so yeah. um and the stunt work i love I love doing the stunt work, but mostly because I love the people that I work with in, yeah. in the stunt world. Um, so, you know, I think my my life going ahead will contain all those elements because if I just did one of those things, I wouldn't be fulfilled. But if I do all of them, then I will, you know, that that, that, that should be the goal. Um, and you won't be happy all the time. Yeah, You're course. not meant to be human. Humans are not designed to be continually happy. We're not. It would no. be, it would, you'd be insane. But um, that's what you should work towards, I think. Yeah. No, that's amazing. I just want to say thanks very much for coming on Hobby of a Lifestyle today, Andy. It's been great to listen to your story and thanks for sharing your journey. 
Not at all. Not at all. Thank you very much for letting me uh, ramble on. Um, and uh, yeah, love I'm, listening to yeah. it. Yeah, cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of Hobby of a Lifestyle. Stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you next time.